Jesus, uh, I can give you my notes too. You can go through some nitty gritty things that someone really would have had to be listening to. So I got them set aside. You can grab them if you want, go through them. Um, and then you guys have to have to rewind in your brain. Maybe get the video. <laughs> and when you get the video, by the way, if you play it at half speed, you'll get it a little bit slower. Anyway, um, but I trust that you've been keeping up with it. We got the context, our first message. Uh, we saw the exact context, uh, direct context of Philippians 2.16. The message title was Holding Forth the Word. And we ended up in Hebrews 13. First point was Holding Forth the Word by Remembering Your Pastor. And you remember by? <coughs> following. Remember by following. The second point was Holding Forth the Word by Obeying Your Pastor. How do you obey? Submitting. And then the last point was holding forth the word by supporting your pastor. And you do that by saluting your pastor. Uh, so the context is all about, your, it's about you and this man being able to rejoice. Um, his job is to run with you, not in vain. Labor with you, not in vain. As you're holding forth the word of truth to point you in the right direction. Watching out for your soul and uh, directing you away from strange doctrines. Uh, the second message then um, was holding forth your pastor, and we did that this morning out of Exodus 17. We saw one man, well actually two, Aaron and her. So we actually looked at her, I wanted to focus more on her because her was the one that was there when he needed to be and gone when he didn't need to be. We don't know very much about her, but we do see quite a bit. So we had two points. The first one was holding forth, uh, or hers holding forth hands were faithful. So we saw it in his faithfulness, but then we saw it in being honorable. You remember the point about honorable? The point about honorable was the fact that what he did impacted the future generation. And his grandson then went and followed in his footsteps, was called by God to do another seemingly menial job, only menial because it didn't have great praise, was not in the limelight, but without his job though, there wouldn't have been the carvings, the wood, the brazen altar, uh, the gold and all that was necessary in the temple, all because of a grandson that watched um, and idolized his grandfather and how he was faithful in the house of God. So what great, uh, how it was greatly honored. So first thing we saw was the context of Philippians 2.16. The second thing we saw was an example of Philippians 2.16 and her. Now I want to go into the next two messages, not both tonight, one tonight, one in the morning. Um, and Asking the question, going back to Philippians chapter number 2, how do we do this? How do we hold forth the word of life out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16? Um, in Philippians 2, verse 14, and we, I read the whole thing in the very beginning because it's one complete sentence. So we have to go to verse 14 and 15 to understand uh, the context of what your job is to do with holding forth the word of life and how to do it. Verse number 14 says... Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So the title of the message tonight is the last phrase out of verse 15, shine as lights in the world. Shine as lights in the world. So how do we do this? Remember, holding forth is not something that's on the inside. It had to start on the inside, and we saw a little bit about that, seeing 
our devotion this morning, group devotional this morning in Romans chapter number 11. In Romans chapter number 12, you have a job to do, and that is to present yourself a living sacrifice. As you present yourself a living sacrifice, you're not being conformed to the old life, to the old world, but now you're transformed. And all of this works on the inside out. No one is born again, and the next day they're instantly the epitome of a Christian or the best thing that a Christian is out there. You've got a lot of baggage. And if you're not careful, you're not following the faith of the man of God that God placed over you, you're going to try and bring in the old life and justify it into the new life. Many different things that, that Christians do in their life today are trying to bring the old life into the new life. But the point is, when you were born again, it began on the inside, but holding forth the word of life is something that's seen on the outside. When you shine, you're not shining on the inside unless you put a bushel over yourself. As a born-again believer, it's going to come out. And if you put a bushel over top of you, it's going to find a crack. It's going to find something to shine that light out. So this shine as lights in the world is seen on the outside. It's not literally a matter of the heart anymore. That's already been dealt with. We'll see how to work with the things in the heart. But when it comes to shining, it's on the outside. The world knows that you're here today. They know where you are on Sunday. They know where you are when you get out and you do the things of God. Or they should know you as a born-again believer on the outside. That light that you have on the inside is permeating onto the outside. Basically, we prove that we are a child of God by being a Christian in the eyes of the world. Christian is a pretty loose term today, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. It's a pretty big bucket today. Uh, but I'm not going to throw it out. I'm not throwing out the baby, the, what is it, baby with the bathwater. That ain't going to happen because according to the Bible, I'm a Christian. I don't care how bad they screw up the word. I don't care who tries to hijack that word. I'm still a born-again believer and I'm a Christian. Hey, amen. But guess what? They weren't called Christians when they followed Christ for three and a half years before Christ was crucified. As a matter of fact, if I got my calculation right, it was not until 30 years after Christ had risen from the grave, after Pentecost, that they were first called Christians. It wasn't something that they were called right away. It was a word that was given to them by the world. It was a word of mockery given to them. You guys are little Christ. You guys are little freaks. You're little weirdos. Here comes those Christians in the town today. But look what's happened 2,000 years later. We say Christian and the world thinks of Mormon, J.W., Catholic, Baptist, what we are. They think of anything that's religious and they call that what a Christian is. But we are a Christian today. Yep. You are a follower of Christ. You're a disciple of Christ. And we need to then, as a follower of Christ, prove that we are a Christian in the eyes of God. Not prove it how they expect us to see it by Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnessism, whatever ism or schism that they know about the religion and hypocrisy and everything they know, that's not what Christian is. We just follow the Word of God. We mind the Word of God, but we do that by shining forth the truth of the gospel and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 8, 21, it says, proving for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have to prove it to God. God wants to know that we are a Christian. He wants to know. He already knows you're born again. He already knows that you're eternally secure. He already knows you have an eternal home in heaven. He already knows you're a citizen in heaven. You've got a heavenly home, a city whose builders and makers was not by the hands of man, but by the hands of God. God knows all of that, but he wants to know that you're a Christian today. He wants to see it himself from the inside coming to the outside, but not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. If we're talking like the world, walking like the world, acting like the world, 
then why would the world want what we have? Yep. Why would the world want the word of life today? Yep. If all we are is nothing but the world. Why would the world want what we have if all we are is a religious person, Amen. a hypocrite, yep. a a Mormon, yep. whatever the religious yep. crowd is that dumped it all into a bucket of this word Christianity? Why would they want it? They ought to look at us when we call ourselves a Christian and say, oh, but that's what a Mormon is. That's not what a JW is. That's not what so-and-so is. These people are not that. They call themselves a Christian. We exemplify the truth of what the Word of God is of being a true yep. follower of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Shame on us if anyone would be able to say to us, you're inconsistent, immoral, yep. ungodly, hypocritical, religious life speaks so loud that they cannot hear the words of the Word of Life. Yep. That would be a shame unto us today. They need to see the epistle of God written in our lives today as we shine the light of God. Rather, we must be here according to Philippians 2, 14 and 15. We need to be blameless in the sight of men. Blameless in the sight of men. The world is watching. The question is, what are they seeing? Yeah. You're here. You're dressed right. You're talking right. Boy, are we eating right. That's been some good eating here. Again, I love coming to your camp. I eat good. It's very, I love rice. But some of that, that new vegetable, I've never had that vegetable. What was that one called again? Cake. <laughs> Choco, there we go. That was very good. I looked at it and then I looked at um, someone named Max. Um, excuse me, I won't name his name. <laughs> I said, Have you ever tried this before? Before I took my first plate? Have you ever? No. I said, Why not? Is it that bad? Does it smell that bad? Mm, not going to try it. I took a sniff of it. I'm like, Well, it don't smell bad. Took a bite of it. I said, What's wrong with this? I said, I don't know. It's different. <laughs> It's a vegetable. Well, that's fine. I like vegetables. I juice beans every day. Coffee beans. <laughs> when I eat ice cream, I like to get French vanilla because they got vanilla beans in them. <laughs> I eat vegetables. Yes. Anyway, we got to get to our vegetables soon. <laughs> anyway, the world is watching. The question is, what are they seeing? If you're going to win New Zealand for Christ, if we're going to win Auckland for Christ, then we need to live Jesus Christ in New Zealand yes, before a lost and dying world. Yep. Testimony needs to shine. It needs to be testimony filled with the Spirit of God. Yep. Willing Amen. to suffer, not full of flattery, not for our personal gain, yep. filthy lucre, our own glory. It needs to be gentle and it needs to be blameless before a lost and dying world. Consider this. Every day of our lives, we are doing something to either honor or dishonor the word of life. And this here in our text verse, Philippians 2.16, we are commended and commanded to hold it, be holding forth the word of life. So we're doing one of two things every day in our Christian walk here in New Zealand. We are either honoring or dishonoring the word of life according to what we are doing with the word of life. So i got three points for you today. I'll try to get to the third point. I don't know if I'll make it or just skim through that because I'm going to have an illustration with some help from our leaders and they're Aaron or her under point number two. Just to give a little illustration explaining one of the words, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit. But anyway, our three, our three points today. First, it's the title is Shine as Lights in the World. Our first point will be Shine Without Altercation. The second point will be Shine Without Accusation. And the third point will be Shine with Great Association. Make some words that we can remember in this. So shine without altercation. Look at Philippians 2 and verse 14. 
It says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. This means, do it without altercation. What do murmurings and disputings cause? Altercation. It causes confrontation. Murmurings is this. Murmuring and, and disputing, both of them, these two together, one plus the other means complaining. But when you look at the word murmuring, so murmurings means to utterance in a low tone of voice. You ever do that? Yeah. Not husbands, wives. I know you never do it, but how about children? <laughs> you ever walk out of a room or you hear, <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> well, we know that they said something and murmuring is something that just happened. Murmuring, it, it, it gets someone's attention. It's almost like jabbing them without them ever knowing what you said. So what you're doing is letting their mind make up what you said. And you really know what they're going to know what you said because you just had some altercation to start with, murmured on the way out the door. You're trying to lob the last hand grenade and hurry up and run so you don't get blown up by it. That's what murmuring is all about. Disputing now is a literal verbal exchange that takes place with uh, conflicting ideas. You're, you're, you're in a confrontation. You are in an altercation together. I despise complainers. Absolutely despise them. You know what that means? I despise myself. <laughs> I, I, I murmur. I murmur and I complain. We all do it. It's just a part of life and who we are. And we're going to see the second point is something we have to do to make sure we have these two things, murmuring and complaining, taken care of before a lost and dying world. Now, there is nothing, before I get into talking about complaining, there's nothing wrong with disagreements. Having a disagreement is not complaining. Um, murmuring and having an altercation, that becomes a complaint. We can be mature and have verbal communication and yet remain completely decent and in order and not really have a confrontation, but we can still have a disagreement. Complainers, though, they murmur under their breath. They dispute, just constantly conflicting about everything. You ever meet someone, doesn't matter what you do, good, bad, or ugly, and you finally turn around and you do what they said they wanted, they talked about it the last time, and all of a sudden they still don't like what you did? They complain about everything. It doesn't matter what happens. They always have a complaint. They complain. They shrug it off. They sigh. They make a verbal exchange. They conflict about everything that you say. You ever meet someone like that? That's the kind of person that I despise. You can't talk to them. You can't even have a disagreement with them because it's nothing but murmuring and complaining. James said in James 5, 9, he said, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. We are not being condemned to hell by that, but we are being condemned by the world that's watching the grudging going on, watching the complaining going on. Can I give you a tip real quick? Don't get in the midst of disputes on the internet. Don't get into a uh, the, the, what do you call them, the debates, arguments, and start debating. Because there's only one person that really is affected by an argument online, and that's the person that's watching. The two people that's arguing, guess what? You're not going to change their mind. They're not going to change your mind. You're just going to sit and spit and spat and dispute and argue and debate. The losers are everyone else that's watching. Debates are not good today. We can have con we can have yep. conversation and good disagreement and talk with someone, yep. but we cannot grudge one with another brethren lest you be condemned. And it's the world that's watching and condemning us as independent fundamental Baptists when they look at who we are based upon what they're seeing on the grudging of people that's in God's house today. Grudge means to sigh or groan or complain. And basically, grudging is murmuring and disputing. It's being a complainer. What a sad testimony to have. 
what a sad day it will be by our grudging if one day someone is casting the lake of fire because they didn't see the light. They didn't see the word of life in us being held forth. All they saw were two people debating over Calvinism. Two people debating and beating heads over whatever doctrine or something that's there. They're watching it. I'm not, myself, if I have someone that has a question online, I tell them to go to a private message. Let's talk about it over here. Guess what? I haven't had one person take me up on that. No one wants to go privately and discuss someone. The whole reason they yeah. want it up front is because they want to argue. Yeah. They want to complain. They want to murmur. They want to dispute. You're not going to win, but everyone else will be a loser. Complaining is contagious. You ever notice that? You get in a room full of complainers, all of a sudden you're thinking about something to complain about. <laughs> it's contagious. We are in the flesh. We are naturally in the flesh. It's so contagious. It's like spreading a spreading like a plague. And Israel was guilty of that all through the Old Testament. Exodus 16 and verse 18. Moses told Israel, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. When you want to complain and you want to murmur, and here, remember the context of Philippians 2.16 is all about this man right here being able to rejoice because he ran not in vain, labored not in vain, and you accepted the leading and guiding, followed his faith as he watched out for your soul. And with that as the context, if you're murmuring and complaining, you're not murmuring and complaining about this man right here, but you're murmuring and complaining about the Lord Jesus Christ because he has given you the faith that God has given, given unto you. So that's a dangerous place to be. The result now of the murmuring and complaining in the Old Testament, the entire generation, they died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. What is the wilderness? The wilderness was the journey to the promised land. What was the promised land? That was their victorious life. That was the place they wanted to be. Remember, there was two places that the waters were parted. One of them was the Red Sea. The other was Jordan. the Jordan. You had two different places. One of them was to be rescued out of bondage. The other was to enter into their victorious place. That's two things for us as a Christian. The one for us crossing the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, that was our salvation. We were delivered from the bondage of Egypt, the bondage of this world. Egypt is a type of the world. But when we walk through the parting of the Jordan River, we walk into our victorious life. One is our salvation, the other is our sanctification as a believer. But how many Christians today, born again, they cross through the Red Sea, they've been rescued out of the bondage of Egypt, but they never make it into their victorious Christian life. They never have victory in this life. They don't have the promised land that God has for them today because they are a murmurer and a complainer. And that's why Israel never entered into the promised land. All of the complaining, all of the murmuring, not wanting to follow the man of God, the man that had held up his hands for them to have victory in battle, Aaron and Ur coming up along both sides of Moses that he could lead them through. And guess what? The whole generation died in the wilderness all because of murmuring. All because of complaining. Murmuring and complaining is powerful. You want to murmur and complain here against the man of God, against the house of God, you will not enter into your promised land. You will That's not right. have victory on this yep. side of eternity. Israel never reached their promised land. They never reached their victorious Christian life. Today, so many Christians are murmuring at God. You may think you're murmuring against Mount Zion Independent Baptist Church or Bible Baptist Church. 
You may think you're murmuring against Pastor Cordillo. You may think you're murmuring against Brother Paul or murmuring against Sunday school teacher, murmuring against a deacon, murmuring against something that's happening in this church. But when you're doing it, and this church is led and guided by the faith that you're supposed to be following, you're not murmuring against them. You're murmuring against God, and that's a dangerous place to be. You sit yourself in that position, you will not have victory in your life today. Yep. Hebrews 3, verse 14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. When you're murmuring and you're complaining, you're hardening your heart against the direction that God would have you to go. Most people today, they're still in the bondage of Egypt. Most, and I'm talking about most of this world, they're still in the bondage of Egypt. They haven't even crossed over the Red Sea today. They have not been delivered by faith in Jesus Christ. Many others have trusted Christ today, but they've never been really delivered out of their bondage because they're jumping back into Egypt. They're jumping back through that Red Sea and never making it into their victory. There are some that have actually sampled victory. They've come in, they've been to a camp, they've enjoyed what God has given to them. They felt the victory, they knew where they were supposed to be, but they walk out and out of the camp and they don't return to where God was pointing them to do to be and they don't have victory in this life. Then there's just a seemingly few, very few. The churches seem to be few and far between today who have those that have followed their Joshua, their Jesus, their leader, Across the Jordan River into that promised land, into their Christian victorious life today. The power of murmuring and complaining, utterly powerful under your own victorious death today, it keeps countless believers from doing Philippians 2.16, holding forth the word of life. How many are not doing this today just simply because they're murmuring and complaining? I'm only taking the scripture. I'm not giving you just an illustration that, well, murmuring and complaining is one of a few things that will happen. That's written right here in Philippians chapter number 2. And you murmur and you complain because we just have the flesh. And we have to have victory over this flesh. Follow the man. Follow his faith. Go where God is leading you today. So holding forth is something that's outside and the world is watching. They know what you are. They know where you're at. And they know when you're holding forth the word of life today. And we're commanded to shine as lights for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our second point, shine without accusation. The first part of verse number 15 says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Crooked and perverse nation. We have the word blame, harm, and rebuke. All of this causes accusations. It causes accusations to come back at us because of something that we did because we can be blamed for something, we've caused harm, or we deserve to be rebuked. So I'm going to give you an illustration now. I never threw an illustration like this in the middle of preaching, but it's camp time, so we'll just kind of mix it up a little bit. Uh, leaders in your herd. Leader in your herd. Now, I don't have blue, so you're going to have to deal with black. <laughs> okay. Anyone know what this is? Duct tape. I just hate it. This is duct tape. Duct tape, yes. Who's the, who's the uh, helpers of her? Her? Him here? Line up over here. The, the hers. The leaders over here. The hers. The errands over here. Who's yellow? You got a yellow tag on <laughs> I would say you're blue. You'll be black. Blue tag. Green. 
You don't have a red? Ah, there we go. There's a red. Okay, uh, this is what I want you guys to do. I'm going to help you out as we go. Uh, get this tape started. Leaders, come here. Red, you just got to help out here. Come on over. You got to help out. You hold the tape. Who's red? Okay. Bring the tape out. Bring it out to about here. Everyone gets about the same length. Uh-oh, okay. They're flying back to whatever length this is. Uh, there we go. We'll just, everyone have tape that long. There you go. Don't worry about that. Okay. Everyone have a piece of tape this long right there. This is going to be an easy illustration. It's kind of short. Uh, black. There you go. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Make sure you're the same length, about the same length. I want leaders, I want what you to do. Uh, let me see. Who's gonna want to do this? Okay. Let's do this. You guys on this end, you need to make your tape into a ball. You know how to make a ball out of tape? Just okay. Now this is not the part of the race. The race will come in just a minute. So you guys make a ball, work it to the work it up to here, just ball it up. Make a ball. Good. Okay, just wind it up all the way up to this guy. Okay, we're, we're now making a ball of tape. Okay, have the illustration in just a minute. All the way up, all the way up, make a ball out of it. Okay, hold your balls up so everyone can see it. Wind it up a little bit. Okay, let me see one of them real quick. Okay, this right here is not what it used to be, is it? Is it? Okay, we're going to race now in just a minute because what you guys have to do now untangle it. <laughs> okay, untangle it, and this is where the race is. See if you can get untangle it the quickest. You work together when I say go, and then we'll see whose is the most useful. Hold on just a second. Now, don't just undo it. You have to make sure you have it useful as well. Ready? Who's got a timer? I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> okay, get ready. Oh, wait a minute, you already started six minutes ahead. <laughs> Okay, okay, ready, set, go. Undo it and see if you can make it the most useful. Okay, while they do that real quick, blame, harm, and rebuke, they cause accusations. The word blameless, blameless, means not deserving blame. Not deserving blame. You know what blameless is not? Blameless is not sinless. Not sinless perfection. Um, then you have the word harmless. The word harmless means pure. Then you have without rebuke. And that means unblemished and not justly blamed. These three words now, they re represent a life that is not burdened by accusations. Burdened by accusations. A life that's marked by freedom from sinful charges within the church and within the world. See, we have till 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I'll give you guys five minutes or no, another two minutes. We'll see how quick it is. The illustration is here. This tape is not what it used to be. Now, is it? How many here has it has lived the perfect life today? We all started out perfect. We all were born again. Our spirit was perfect. And we were exactly what God needed us to be to walk perfect in this life. But what got in the way? The flesh, sin. And now because of sin, we are rightly blamed. 
Take a look at the tape. That tape is not what it used to be. And guess what the tape will never be? What it used to be. The tape will, the tape will never be it. When you sin and the world sees you sin, guess what they see? They see you sin. They see you marred. They know that you have done something wrong. Think, it, think about it like this. If you go speeding down the road and you do uh, 100 kilometers an hour and 50 kilometers an hour. Don't do that. You're making a ticket. I'm just giving an illustration. And you do get a ticket. Do you deserve that ticket? Yeah. Yeah. Will that always be on your account? Yeah, unless the government decides I will expunge it after so many years to help your health or your insurances or whatever. But the fact is, if you sped, you were always known as a speeder. If you commit murder, and even if the, the, the it's acquitted or whatever it is, are you what? A murderer? You will always be a murderer. That is never taken off. You will always be that. This right here, the tape will never be what it used to be. Yellow is pretty close. How much more time should we give them? How about 30 seconds? <laughs> Yellow put his put theirs back together. <laughs> I don't know if this is even useful at all. <laughs> they made a long thing, but that's not tape anymore. <laughs> okay, you guys got 10 more seconds. The thing is, this tape will never be tape again. However, is it still useful? Yeah, it'll still, it still can be used. When we do something, when we sin against God, when we sin in this life, and even when the world sees it, you're going to be left with stars in this life. You're going to be left with a wad of mess. And that does not mean you cannot be used to God. But that does mean that you've got blame and you've got harm that's against you right now. I'll, give, I'll explain how to remove that in just a minute. Time's up. Let's see. Hold your tape up. Ooh, green looks good, but red looks good. Yellow, you might as well go sit down. <laughs> Black doesn't look too... Well, no, it looks pretty good. I think green, green, come over here, put yours in between red and black. Oh, I think green did it. Green's got the most use left out of their tape. We'll say green one. Give them a hand. Illustrate. Is this what it used to be? Is that what it used to be? Not at all, but it's still sticky. Thank you. Thank you. Yellow, you guys need to work on making your life better after you sin. <laughs> you didn't confess enough. <laughs> but the fact is, when you commit a sin, you've always got sin on your account. You will never be perfect. And the world is watching. And when the world takes a look at you, they need to see what's called blameless. Blameless does not mean that there is no accusation against you. Blameless means it's been taken care of. Go back to your speeding again. If you're a speeder and you go flying down the road, 100 kilometers an hour in a 50 kilometer zone, you get a speeding ticket, you now are guilty. How do you become not guilty? Pay, pay the fine. But after you pay the fine, did you still speed? Yep. Yeah. It's never taken off of your account. You are always a speeder. You'll always be a speeder. You've always committed a sin, but now you're that word called blameless. You're blameless. If you're a murderer and you got acquitted, or you're a murderer, you did your time, you served your sentence, you're that murderer, but guess what? Now all of a sudden, you've been acquitted of it. You're still a murderer, but if you paid your due under society, you're what's called blameless. You cannot be blamed for that same thing again unless you commit that same thing again. However, you've still got the scars. 
If you go speeding down the road, I, I know in the United States we pay boo-boo bucks for insurance, car insurance. You go speeding, your insurance goes up. Your points goes up. You always pay a price for what you did wrong. If you commit murder, you've got some scars. If they're not on the outside, you will carry scars with you. No matter where you go, there is a rightful accusation. But when you pay your due, you're now what's called blameless. As a born-again believer, when we go out into the world, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go out looking good, but you know what you're doing? You're going to mess up. You're going to blow it. You're going to become this right here, a wild up mess in this world. If you don't do something about this and start shining the light and you start getting it right, you then are rightly accused and you are not blameless before the world. But we need to be blameless. We need to go and make it right. Now, we're going to carry our scars. This tape is not the same thing it used to be. But it's still tape. It's still usable. You went and you got it right. We get things right with God. You offend the world, you get things right with the world. If you have sinned privately, take it to God. If you have sinned publicly, take it to who you sinned against. Get it right with them. But it doesn't mean that there is no accusation. This word blameless right here, it says that ye may be blameless and harmless. The word harmless means pure. How is a believer pure again after we commit a sin? The word of God, 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. All of our unrighteousness. Once you, once you confess your sin before God, He is going to forgive you. He's going to cleanse you again. You then become harmless. You're innocent again. You are pure before God Almighty because you have taken it to the throne of grace. Without rebuke means you are unblemished not justly blamed. They can't blame you justly if you paid your due. They can't come and say, you're a speeder. You can say, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't speed, but I paid the price. Once you pay that price, you now are harmless. Now you are without rebuke. They cannot do that to you. But how many Christians today are walking in this world today, they can be blamed today. They are, and I'm not talking about just over the worldly sins. I'm talking about being a Christian in the house of God. You walk into the house of God, you're here, you're a Sunday Christian. You may come on Wednesday night. You go back in, into the world, and you're nothing but the world. This is what you are out of the world. You can put on all the show you want here in the house of God, but you walk out into yep. the world, Amen. you become accused. You become blamed. You become uh, harmful, and you definitely have rebuke that's coming your way. So when we get things wrong before the world and before God, we make them right. Pay your due. Whether you like it or not, we have to pay our dues to this society. That all started long ago, dispensation of uh, government, human government. All of a sudden, man now is responsible to judge man. And with that, we have a responsibility to pay our due to the world around us, and they're watching us. Philippians 2.15 says, if we are going to hold forth righteously in Christ, hold forth the word of life, then we have to be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. It's talking about what we're doing before the world out there. They need to see you, who you are here today. They need to see Christ shining out of you when you go out into the world. This word blame or blame and harm and rebuke, this is a tarnished testimony before a lost and dying world. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 20 says, Avoid this, that no man should blame us. In the abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. 
The context of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 was Paul having to manage the money. He did not want to get caught with his hand in a cookie jar. He did not want someone to accuse him of doing something with the money. So he stepped away. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, he handed that responsibility to Titus. He gave it to the treasurer, gave it to someone else to deal with the finances, all because he wanted to remain harmless, he wanted to remain uh, blameless, and he wanted to be without rebuke before not only the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have, to be, we have to take very seriously us and the accusations before a lost and dying world if we are truly going to shine forth the word of life, hold forth the word of life and shine it before a lost and dying world. Uh, before a lost and dying world. So our accusation, um, our accusation needs to be blameless. We need to be so concerned, so much more concerned about what God says and what God thinks yep. in the world. Yes. Remember the one thing this morning I said that we ought to be looking forward to. Even now, as we serve God in our heart, is to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Our accusation needs to be blameless, it needs to be harmless, and it needs to be without rebuke. So we need to shine, first of all, without altercations, and that's the word murmuring and disputing. Murmuring and disputing just bring about altercation, and we're not to do that. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Then we need to shine without accusation. So we need to be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and a perverse, perverse nation. The last point, just jump straight into, if you don't mind, just going to just straight into the last point. Uh, the beginning of verse number 16, we need to shine with great association. And that means holding forth the word of life. Our association with God is based on the word of life. That's our complete association. And that's what this point about is great association. And it's all about the word of life. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We went through these briefly this morning. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How do you know that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? You only know it by what's in the Word of God and what God has given yep. you. So our association with God is based upon the Word of life. Yep. Our association by the world is based upon Christ. We were once in the world, but now we are associated to Christ, and that's based upon the Word of God as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter number, 2 Corinthians 6, and verse 15 through 18, it says, In what concord hath Christ with Belial? And what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be, your father, be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What, what right do we have to be with the lost and dying world outside of the Word of God? Our association by this world today is based on Christ, and it's all based in the Word of life. We are not to be a part of Belial. Not a part of the infidel. Not having agreement with idols. And the only way we know about any of that is the word of life. The word of God. What we hold forth in our hands. Our association with one another is based on our salvation. 
here in the house of God, in the church of God, and that's based on the word of life. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 26, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. All of a sudden, based on the word of God, salvation came to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul now gave us the majority of the New Testament. And everything about his life was all of a sudden based on the word of life and the word of God. And our salvation brings us together. When Paul got saved, he has saved himself. That means he so desired to be with those that he abused, those that he had murdered, those that he had stood and watched and he stood over the murdering of Stephen, all of those that would have taken his own life, he so assayed himself to be with them that he didn't care if it cost him his own life. He had great association. Our association needs to shine out. It's all got yep. to be based on the Word of God. Our testimony must shine from the outside in, but also from the inside out. And when we hold forth the Word of life, we're holding it out there, that's on the outside. Our shining is on the outside. And this is how we can hold forth the word of life. We can only do this if we're holding it forth, holding forth God's word and letting it shine through us. We're in a race today. We're in a race to the finish line. We're not like racers today. We are actually going to pass that finish line. And if you're a born-again believer, you're going to cross that finish line one day. We're going to be in heaven above one day. But it's a matter of what rewards we have. But everything about that is whether or not we are running for Christ, running in vain, Philippians 2.16. It said that, if, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither lain, labored in vain. He said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before, and I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's all about the word of life and us shining forth to a lost and dying world. We do it without murmuring, without disputing, that we can be blameless, harmless, and without rebuke as we walk through this crooked and perverse world today. Paul always put Paul illustrated by racing. You and I, we are in a race today, and we need to cross that finish line with the word of life being held forth in our life. And we will hear those words from Christ where he said in Matthew 25 and verse 21, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That ought to be what we're striving for as we walk through this life today, as we shine forth the word of life today, and we hold it out to a lost and dying world, looking for Christ to be telling us in our heart today, Well done, good and faithful servant. We will hear those words one day, but you need to be striving for that today. What great encouragement that is when God is proud of us. As children or anyone else, you love it when mom and dad say, well done. How does that feel? How would it feel if you went through your whole life, uh, went through, let's say, 18 years of your life, and mom and dad didn't tell you, well done, until 18 years later? How did it feel as you walked through your life and you did good and you did what mom and dad said to do? You were obedient and you actually did things on your own without mom and dad saying, go make the bed, <laughs> go clean the dishes. And all of a sudden, mom and dad said, well done. Does that make you feel good? Makes you feel accomplished? Makes you feel like you've got fruit for your labor? You've done the right thing? You're proud to do it again? That's God speaking to us today. He, say, he will say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Today, as you're serving Him, shining forth the word of life without murmuring, without disputing, blameless, harmless, 
and without rebuke in a, in a lost and dying world. We need to be shining forth the word of life. And we do it without altercation. That's blameless or that's without murmuring and disputing. We do it without accusation. That's that we are harmless, um, blameless, and without rebuke, but with great association. And everything we associate with needs to be about the word of life. Yeah. From the moment we're saved, as we're with one another as born-again believers, as we're walking out in the world, everything about our life has to be based upon the word of life yeah. as we shine it forth. And for ultimately, the world can have what we have. And they can be born again today. As we leave here from this camp today, let's leave out here holding forth the word of life like we never had done before in our life. Let's all stand with these thoughts and bow our heads, close our eyes, move forward in prayer. Shine as lights in this world as you leave today. Let's leave shining. If you think that you've messed up your life like this tape, this tape illustration can go many directions. Some Christians, some believers, they believe that they've so blown it that they cannot be used by God. You can be used by God again. If you've messed up and you've stopped shining toward the word of life, you may have some cracks in your vessel. You may have some scars that you're going to carry along as you continue to shine the light. But we're commanded to get back up, get back on the wagon, get going forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that by going to 1 John 1.9. As a born-again believer, confess your sin before God, and He is faithful that He will cleanse you once again all your unrighteousness. Nothing to do with eternal salvation, but us and our sanctification that we uh, that were once balled up like this tape can be undone, though scarred, but still used by God no matter what happens in our life today. Praise God. He can use us. He can use the most common person sitting here, the most foolish, the most uh, stubborn, uh, the most obnoxious. He can use every one of us. He can use, as we saw this morning, the biggest coward sitting here today to do his greatest work today. He just needs us to follow his faith. He needs us to follow after the one that's watching out for your soul, pointing you away from false doctrine, and pointing you to the one thing that you're supposed to do in this life, hold forth the word of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, uh, the word of life that has the power to save us today, but also has the power to sanctify us today. Lord, that we can walk out into a lost and dying world, though we are rightly accused, but we can be blameless. Lord, that we can righteously, through your righteousness, shine forth the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and hold forth uh, the word of life before a lost and dying world that they can be born again today. If there's one here today that's not saved, today could be the day of their salvation. We pray, Lord, you'll convict their heart, convict their soul of where they are going to spend all of eternity. For the believer here, the Christian, that is not right with you, Lord. They may be rightfully blamed, rightfully rebuked, rightfully harmed. That tonight, Lord, they'll get that right with you. Get it right with those that they have um, offended. Uh, in this world or in the house of God that we all can get up, Lord, and we can go out and we can continue to serve you in this lost and dying world. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Again, um, that message is very clear and simple. We might be accused of many things, but my friend, we can be blameless in that. Because that is what God wants us. To be blameless, harmless, children of God, and that is the design of the Lord for all of us. You might be here tonight, 
and you're exactly, you know, um, the, what happened to you maybe is a wreck. Your testimony is a wreck, but thank God this is not final. Thank God we have an opportunity to be used by Him still because He wants to use us. But my friend, you will hear one day that beautiful word coming from the mouth of the Lord Jesus, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You will hear it one day, but I will tell you, you have to strive it today. You want to hear that one day? Strive it beginning today. You can have it. You might be here tonight and say, Pastor, I desire that. I, I want to hear that coming from my Lord. I want to hear the words that He would say, Well done, the good and faithful servant. If that is your desire, you have to strive for it. And how to strive for it is a struggle. I know it is a struggle, but my friends, we have to. Because that is worse, you know, eternity. The praises of the Lord Jesus is the best praises of all. The, the commendation of the Lord Jesus is the best commendation of all. We will strive for it. All you need to do is ask the Lord. Lord, I want to hear you say that. And help me in my striving. Is that you tonight? You want God to help you in your striving? Do you really want to strive? Then come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. The, the altar is open. You can be that person, brother and sister. You can be that person that the Lord will say, Well done, the good and faithful servant. You can be that person. But if you want to be that person, that words you will hear one day. But you have to strive it today. You strive it, but you need God's help. That is why we have the altar. The altar is yours. Give it unto the Lord. You may say to the Lord, Lord, I do not know if I can make it, but here's my life. Help me, Lord. I, I, want, I want you to be honored in my life. Help me, Lord, help me live my life I, I do not know how to live my life you do not know I know for sure that you do not know how to live your life because the enemies that we have is just so much wherever you turn the enemy is ready and we are defeated every day our, our mind is polluted every day our, our thoughts we are defeated by the flesh we cannot win this battle by our own but we can win this battle with the Lord Jesus Christ on our side. But you have to come. You have to seek Him. You have to come to Him and ask Him, beg for Him. Because our God is a gracious God. He will forgive. He is full of mercy. Have you sinned against the Lord? Come. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Do you, fail, do you fail God in your life? Come. Ask God for help. 
blameless, harmless. Let's continue to pray our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the renewal of our commitment to you once again, Lord. We praise you, O God, for the blessing of your word, the encouragement, the exhortation. That is what we need. This is what we need. Strengthening of our faith. Strengthening of our resolve. Lord, we desire to serve you faithfully. We desire, Lord, but the enemy around us is eager to pull us down. But Lord, with your help, we can win this battle. Lord, with your help, I will be victorious in my striving. And I know, Lord, that each one of us here tonight, each person that is here tonight, has that same desire. Lord, it depends on our striving. It depends on our depending on your power in our lives. Because in us, there's nothing we can do. But with you, Lord, all things are possible with you. And without you, we can do nothing. Lord, we acknowledge that in our life. From here tonight, we will commit to you our lives and Lord we acknowledge that without you we cannot do anything and Lord help us help us and strengthen us as we stand help us Lord as we uh, strive so that one day we will hear the word we die and thank you Lord uh, for that great day that you have promised to us thank you for the great blessing Thank you for these people that have come. Thank you for these people that have come forward to renew their commitment to you. Bless them, Lord. Give them their hearts desire. Protect them, strengthen them, and give them the courage and give them the victory in their lives. We praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please sit down. Please sit down. Um,